0: You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. I can read scripture on it and I can but let me tell you something. Mine's in English. And I, I, I've never heard God speak through my Bible here. I hear him speak here. And, and he's never spoken to me in Hebrew. I've had it. Never spoke to me in Greek. I've had that. But I study from the English, and I study from the Hebrew and the Greek. But I listen from the voice of the Spirit. And when you hear the voice of the Spirit, it will always be in your language. If you can remember that, it will help you. When you hear the Lord speak to you, it will be in a language that you understand. Because He understands all the languages. In the last days, they were all together in one place. When suddenly the sound of a mighty rushing wind came and filled the whole house. There are Medes, Persians, dwellers of Mesopotamia, Greeks, Arabians, and all. They were all there, and they did all magnify the name of the Lord under the name of the Holy Spirit in their native language. You don't have to have a certain language to hear from God, you have to have a certain heart. And I have it right here in this Bible. Every time I open it, He speaks to me afresh and anew. I, I told this story, so I might as well tell it again. I went to a camp meeting wasn't the denomination I was in, and I didn't want to get caught there because I was an officer in that organization. So I sneaked in, put my grubbies on, sneaked in, it was down on the coast, and sat outside for a while, and then I wanted to hear the main speaker. One of the speakers that I liked was a writer named Bruce, F.F. Bruce, who writes books on theology. And I wanted one of his books So I went there with that thought of maybe getting one of his new productions. And I got there, everything was going on. So I went out in the mad room, what I call it, where they sell the magazines and all the things. Stood around, the meeting was going on, and he wasn't the speaker that morning. As I stood there, one of the ladies said, can I help you? I said, no, I'm looking for writings by Dr. Bruce. She said, well, it's right over here. Well, I went over there, and wouldn't you know it, there was a book. The Book of Ephi- uh, Galatians by F.F. F. Bruce. I said, I-, I want this one. How much is it? She said, I can't sell it as long as service is on. It's, I think it's 12 or $14. I can't sell it because we're not supposed to sell while, while the service is going on. And I pulled a 20 out of my pocket. I said, this, will this cover that? She said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Amazing what a $20 bill will do in the church. I took the book and I went out and I found a place to sit. I could see the ocean out there and this is just an old log that had been hollowed out for a seat. And I'm sitting there listening from the background going on and reading F.F. F. Bruce and thing. This was worth the trip. I've got a book. About that time somebody walked into my periphery. You know what the periphery is? That's this place out here where the angels appear. And, and some movement out there and I, I said, oh, uh, I hope that's not somebody that's caught me here. You're going to to tell the denomination on me. (laughs) That didn't use to bother me as much. But anyway, (laughs) and and I I waited to see. Then I said, as the the person moved closer, Lord, I hope that isn't some inquisitive woman that will start and ask questions and questions. And some of these women, you you can't answer one question. You answer one question, it leads to the second question, to the third question, to the fourth question, and then you make a TV show of it. Talk, 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 talk. And I said, Lord, don't let it be some woman. Don't let that. Well, of course, it was too late to ask, because God's not going to change the sex just for me. But I'm waiting for the person to show up, and a man appears in, in my front eye. And I said, hello there. He says, Hi how are you? I said, I'm fine, thank you. I said, my name is Cornwall. I'm R.L. Cornwall. I shook his hand. He said, good. I said, your name? He says, I'm F.F. Bruce. (laughs) I was reading his book. He asked me, what are you reading? I said, I'm reading a book, F.F. Bruce. Have you ever read it? He said, I wrote it. All of a sudden, I got little chills that went up and down in me. I'm talking to the author of that that I'm holding. I get the same thrill, but in a greater way. Every time I open his book, I hear him say, I wrote that. All scripture given by the inspiration of God. All profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction and righteousness of the ro- Man of God might be thoroughly furnished, got everything to say. So every place I turn, he's there. There's a dollar bill in there. Everything, (laughs) I turn, he's there speaking to me because he is the author and the finisher of your faith. An amen will get me off of that. Oh, you want me to quit? I can see you. (laughs) Well, I know how to preach. I'm not going to preach today. I just want to talk. You see, I know that when you preach, you name off a subject. And we would name it off, we'd say, inspiration, anointing. And we'd come out with some great statements. There are four major points when we talk about inspiration number one, there has to be an author. Number two, there has to be a receiver. Three, there has to be a purpose. And in that purpose, it has to be the author's purpose before it can be the receiver's purpose. I I know how to put it all together and make it all scrambled eggs and put it together back in the egg. Uh, And and then you take it home, you can say, now, what did he say? Oh, yeah, that's what he said. You get eggs all over yourself. Uh, (laughs) I I, I know how to put them together and make it work, but I don't want to do that. I want to just simply go into the Word of God and talk about the things of God. And see if we can't learn something will help us. Would that be all right with you? Amen. Say yes, because I'm going to do it. All right. Your Bible is divided into major parts, in the books, each one separate by itself. However, there's one section of books that was written by one author. It's called the Pentateuch. It's speaking of five being Pentateuch, the first five books of your Bible. And the very first book of those five is Genesis, you know the rest, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, all written by Moses. Now this man... Are you still listening? These men, each and every one of them that writes in his word, have to do it under the anointing. Now there's something strange about the writings of Moses. He writes about periods of time before he was born and a big portion of the thing that we have in doctrine is formed by the writings of Moses clear down to the writings of Paul or James or any of the other writers it all starts way back here with the beginning John even picks it up when he starts his writing in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God well where did he pick that up In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So it all ties together out of that one writer, a guy by the name of? I didn't hear you. Right. So this man is going to be important to us. Let's look at him just a little bit. He's not some kid floating around in a bulrushes being shoved by a stick on the side by his sister Miriam. That's not who he is, but that's the baby story that we have of Moses. The man who is just so small and so nothing. No, he is pushed to a point that he goes to his enemy's house. And there he lives in Pharaoh's house and grows to be quite a high standard man. In the eyes of the Egyptians, this is top grade stuff. In the eyes of the Jewish people who are now in Destruction because of the change in government, he is somebody to be feared because he is of their seed, of their circumcision, of their covenant, but he is not with them because he is picked, mixed up in the political world that he's been forced into. And in this whole thing, he makes a major mistake. He tries to defend that that he came from by taking the life of somebody, and now he has to flee. At the time that he flees, this man is not a kid. He's 40 years old. Now, 40 years old is 40 years, no matter what period of time you put it in. It still takes 40 years. He's 40 years, and he flees for his life and heads for Midian, and as he gets gets there, he is a stranger there. There's a guy out there by the name of Jethro. He has a huge flock. He's got girls. Everything seems to work out all right. And there he is getting water at the pool, and one of the girls kind of eyes him, and he kind of eyes the girl. They go home. It's like, we saw a man. Yeah. And they go home, and Jethro says, where have you girls been so late today? Well, we saw, we saw a man at the pool. Well, what was he? Well, he was a good-looking guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring him home for dinner. Well, it wasn't that he wanted to eat him. He wanted to serve him. So Jethro brings him home for dinner. And from that time on, we've got Moses disappearing from our history. He is going to be there for a short time until he moves out from there back into what God has called him to be. Uh Uh-oh, I mentioned short time, 40 years. Another hunk of time is going to happen. 40 years as an Egyptian, 40 years as a Midnight. Now he's 40 plus 40 makes 80 He's not a kid anymore, and he's now walking along, and he has in his hand a nothing. All he has is a stick. It's called a rod. Thy rod, and thy staff, they comfort me. It sounds good, but all that was for was to move the sheep around and to keep his balance. And When you get 80, you need somebody to balance you from time to time. And he's doing fine walking along. Little does he know what he's got in his hand. He thinks it's a staff. He thinks it is just the natural thing. He's got all the memories of Egypt behind him and all the successes that he didn't have and he hears every day, failure, failure, you messed up. You're a failure. He was a failure from the Egyptian viewpoint. He's a failure from the Jewish viewpoint. You're a failure. Here I am. A chosen failure chosen and he stutters now you'd stutter too if you worked for your father-in-law for 40 years he stutters he doesn't even have to talk very well but who's to talk to a bunch of d- dumb sheep now I'd hate to say that but they were dumb sheep just to say Have you ever noticed a sheep never looks up? (laughs) Always looks down. Kind of sounds like some churches I've been in. (laughs) It's a bad day. Things are going worse all the time. They used to be here. That used to happen. Kind of lift up your head, sheepy, and dare to say there's greater things ahead. Now, I'm going to come right back there so don't think I've messed off. We are living in a period of time that we ought to start rejoicing in and stop Counting the past. Boy, back when the good old days, hey honey, I was there. They weren't any better than they are today if you're walking with God. Well, left there were God's blessing. No, no, no. I feel as much or more of God's blessing today than I've ever felt in my whole life. I happen to believe that we are headed toward the end of the age and God's Spirit is being poured out in greater measure, in greater division around the world now you're going to go to a movie and you're going to see man's interpretation of who Jesus was. I hope it's good. If it doesn't go according to the word, enjoy it, but go back to the word. This is the way it really was. Now, when I, I need a drink of water. Oh, here it is. You say, I don't like you to get drink of water. You're not thirsty. I am. When I was a kid, I never couldn't go to a movie. I remember the first movie I sneaked off and went to. My dad was at a meeting. He was a presbyter of the organization. And I heard that there was a movie downtown that I ought to see. I'd never been to a movie. I didn't know what to do. But I wanted to go so badly. It was on a Monday when Dad went to a fellowship meeting. I got sick all of a sudden. I couldn't go to the fellowship meeting. And so I stayed home to be pray- Dad prayed for me before I left. As Soon as they're out, I got my money, and I went down to see if I could go to the theater. 25 cents. It costs a bit more now, they tell me. I walked down, and it was an adventure story. Frankenstein. <laughs> now, seeing a movie for the first time, Frankenstein is not the best choice. I walked up to the counter, and I put down my quarter. And she says, I started, she said, wait a minute. Oh boy, I'm caught. Take the ticket. Oh, okay. So I took the ticket, came off a big roll, walked in. I'm walking in the theater for the first time. I get through the door, and the guy says, wait a minute. Give me your ticket. Tears it in half. Thank you. Now I got a half a ticket (laughs) It's worth 12 and a half cents. And I walk in, and it's dark. And the movie has already started. Now, this is where you buy the candy, but there's nobody behind the candy thing. I didn't have any money anyway. So I I went to the door, and I opened it up. And boy, it was dark in there. So I started down the aisle feeling, no, no, no. Nobody there. So I moved in and sat down. Now, I looked up, and just as I looked up, came off of, I want you to know I got up and ran out so fast. The door still is swinging, I think. I ran all the way home. I repented. I, I, I did everything. I really got right with God while my mom and dad were gone. When I, they got home that night I was lying in my bed, weeping because I knew I was so guilty I was going to go to hell. I'd never been to a movie before. I came, mother came in, she said, what's the matter, son? I said, I've seen it, on and on and on. You know how you get. Dad came in and said, what did you do? Now, my dad was my best friend. I said, Dad, I sneaked off and went to a movie. What'd you see? And then I have to tell him, I didn't see much of it. the first minute now the reason I tell it is that left a mark on me for the rest of my life I still measure everything that comes across the movie screen as less than this but this is more than anything thank God for those who can in their imagination or in their drama or in their studies put in a film form something that is real but let's make sure that it's real according to the Word of God. Now, I didn't put that in the first service, so if somebody asks you, did you get a longer service, you tell them, yeah, he got on that screen thing and couldn't get away from it. So that'll take an extra two minutes. How many can give me two more minutes extra? Way up high, please. Two more minutes. Two, four, six, eight, (laughs) ten. I can add. Moses, can you go back where we were? He's walking along with his no-identified stick. And as he's walking along, there's a burning bush. And he says, what sort of thing goes on here? I've been all over this desert before. I've never seen anything like this. I will turn aside and see what's the meaning of this. And Moses walks over to the burning bush. Now, you think Frankenstein was t- tough. Try this one. The burning bush is not being consumed. And out of the burning vo- bush comes a voice. Burning bush that talks. He'd never seen anything like this before. And he stands there, and a voice comes out and says, Take your shoes off. The ground that you stand on is holy ground. Ooh. Uh, And off come the sandals, and he says, who are you? What do you want me to do? Talk about an exciting moment in time. And he cries out for help. And the Lord says, take off your shoes, and begins to talk to him. Now, what is happening at that moment? God is choosing a vessel that he can use and anoint. Man is not choosing. Moses was taking care of fish of, of sheep. He was not interested in anything but getting the sheep to the next green green pasture or a place to drink. And God interrupted that whole thing and he said, You, you stand by this bush and you say, Who oh man? Me, there's so many about you. And when God puts his finger on a person. He now becomes responsible to respond to that call. You that have become elders and deacons, you never planned that. You never worked for that. But there came a time in your ministry or in your life when somebody said, I'd like to have you. I'd like to have you. Would you consider? Would you? And your little chill went down your back. It was either a thrill or a fear went down. Me, an elder? Me, a deacon? Yeah, would you? I want you to know that that same thing happens to every minister that's worth his salt. There better be a call of God that hits his heart and turns a fire on on the inside where he can say, I am a chosen vessel. But you're stupid, I know. But you're ugly, I know that. But I've been called by God. Why does he choose dumb, stupid people? Because they're dumb enough to hear him and stupid enough to be accepted. And he calls them, Lord, and we don't earn the right to become preachers. We are called and anointed, and we have to work on it from that point on. God does not call that that he doesn't anoint, and he does not anoint that that he doesn't call. When God calls somebody and puts his hand on you, I can guarantee you, you can make it. Despite all the lies of the devil who say, "You won't make it, you shouldn't have chosen. You, he's a liar. He's a beginner of lies. He's the fountain of lies. His children are the children of lies. Don't listen when God puts His hand upon you, He will anoint you to the task that He has planned for you. So square your shoulders and say, "What's ya, will?" Here I come. Dare to say, I don't have to change who I am. He called me like I am." I'll say that again. I don't have to alter who I am. He called me like I am. And I will reach others that are just like me because nobody else will reach that kind of stupidity except me. So he'll use the comic and use them for those who can understand that kind of a world and minister through them. Now he stands there with a rod in his hand. What do you want me to do? Take my shoes off? Yeah. And then the question says, what do you got in your hand? A stick, a rod, a stick. Well, it's just a stick, just a rod. And the voice says, "Throw it down on the ground." You know the story, so I don't need to tell the detail. Throw it on the ground, and it turns into a snake. And old brave Noah reached over there and hit the snake and killed it. No. He ran. He's he's not only ugly. He's Scaredy Cat. <laughs> Biggest thing that's ever been in his danger zone was a sheep, and he runs. And the voices pick it up by the tail, <laughs> and it turns back into a rod. Little does he know what he's got in his hand. Little does he know what happens when God puts His anointing on that vessel. Little grasp does he have to know that little is much when God is in it. And when he says, what do you have to offer? Give him what you have, and he's capable of turning it into what he wants done beyond what you are capable of doing. Pick it up by the tail. And he does. And now he says, who are you? I, I am the almighty God. I want you to go down to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Who, me? (laughs) You. I'm escaping him. I am a fugitive. I can't even come back to town. They gave me my hat and my coat and said, that's the way if you want to live. I've been gone out of that city for 40 years. And you want me to go back and talk to Pharaoh? Yes, I do. Who shall I say sent me? And he gives them that complicated sermon. Remember, he's not too smart of a guy. I'll give you a short sermon. I am. Tell him that the I am sent you. Well, don't I need more theology than that? The I am. Don't I need a little bit more learning? The I am has sent me. Well, will he understand who the I am is? That's none of your affair. I said, you say, the I am has sent me. I'll take care of his ears. You take care of your mouth. Don't try to select what people will accept. Just speak what God has put in your mouth, and God will use it. Amen. And he said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go. But you know, I don't, I don't talk very well. Could I get a hold of my brother? He, he, he talks a storm. He can even talk to women. Can I get a hold of Aaron, and he can go with me? All right. I'd rather talk directly through you, but if you won't do it, get your brother. So word is sent. Here comes Aaron. How many days take? we don't know? And the two of them go together. Now the power was not in the words of Aaron. The power was not in the word I am. And they didn't even realize that the power they had lay in the vessel that had been sanctified. They had a rod. And as they walk in, Who do you think you are? I don't know who I am, but I know who he is. And he has sent me, and he sent me with this rod. Here, see if your magicians can do this. And the contest is on. Read it for yourself. The snakes, the wind, the frogs, the red blood, the sea, all of it happened at the hand of Moses, but at the hand of a rod given to them by God. And that rod represents the anointing of God upon the vessel that's willing to use it. That vessel is nothing. The rod is everything. So with the rod, he now comes out and he leads the people of Israel that are in captivity. And as they march, I'll take it with a rod. Here they come with Moses and his rod. They come out to the sea. They can't get across. That's no problem. I've got a rod. And with the anointing that God had given him, he stretched the rod out across it. You saw Cecil Mills' picture, didn't you? They stretched the rod out and the waters open up and they go on dry land. You say, well, that was Moses' words. No, he didn't even open his mouth. He just stretched forth the rod. The anointing makes up for the lack of our understanding and our capability if we we'll allow the anointing to use us as God has called us. You that are elders and deacons coming up. Don't think that you have to go edumacate yourself now. God called you like you are. Get yourself in a place where you can say, Lord, whatever you call me to do, I'll do it. But that's a, that's a humble job. Who asked it for to be a proud job? Serving God is humble sometimes. Just be what God has called you to be. Now we're out in the desert, but we're in a whole different world. Things are going very well. And the church is growing. Moses is going to have some experiences. Moses, I want you to go up into the mountain. I'll go up in the mountain. Don't let anybody else come up. Well, Lord, I don't, nobody else. Don't even allow him to touch the wall. Just come on up. And he comes up, and all heaven breaks loose. Now, I know we say the other way, but all heaven breaks loose. The heavens are open. The storms come melting of the rocks everything is happening here and Moses is standing there and he's got his rod hang on to the rods stupid that's the only thing you've got going for you I know and God walked by and he realizes that he has come into the presence of God and he sees God in the shadow he sees him in the bright bright sun he sees him in the fire and he cries out oh God, I'd, I'd, I'd like to see you face to face. And God says, you're not wired for it. I'll walk by and you can look at my hinder parts, but I, you're not wired for my face yet. So Moses looks at God's hinder parts as he walks by. And he has changed. He doesn't even know it. But a light has turned on in him and his face is shining like a sun. He doesn't realize it, but God has done a great work. And God gives to him, later time, writes stone and says, take this. This is what will guide my people. Now, we're talking about a failure in Egypt, a failure in Media, a failure with the Jews, a failure all the way around until he gets God's rod in his hand. And now he is the head of a great mighty army. Out across, and on the story goes, how many hours could I spend with you on the journey? Would you take one minute? On the journey, it's that rod that does it. We're thirsty, hit the rock, and out gushes water. We're hungry, throws the rock, and here come the quail. Every place he goes, I've got a rock, I've got a rock. You say, well, is that all he's got? That's all he needed. What he could do in Egypt would not avail. What he could learn from his mother would not avail. What he learned from God from the moment it happened until it was fulfilled is all that was important. And you don't have to plan what you're going to do if you just serve God. Just know his word. Just love him. Let the spirit of God flow through you with your attitude and all, and it will happen. Now things are going real well. He's got a good helper, Joshua. Joshua fit the battle and Jericho. Joshua now is the fighter. And he's ready to clean house. So they clean house. They're marching now in victory. But there's a little nagging group in that church. Oh, in that group. (laughs) That think that it ought to have been done a different way. And so they get a team together. And they start plundering a plot to take from Moses that God has already given and a man by the name of Malik. Not a very popular name. A man by the name of Malik. Where'd you come from? Well, do you remember a Lot? Yeah. Do you remember the two sisters he had? Yeah. Do you remember the cave? Yeah. Remember where they used to live in Sodom? Yeah. Do you remember the morals of Sodom and Gomorrah? Yeah. The girls were raised with that attitude toward the morals. And now we're in a cave and the only man around is their dad. And they get fearful and say, what's going to happen to us? We don't have any children and we live in a cave. And they make a team. You seduce dad one night, I'll get him another night. We'll get him to impregnate us. Where it's where Malik came from. The descendants from a wrong relationship in a lonely cave. And now there they are. weak need, weak attitude, no spirit of truth. And they hang along behind Moses and that great army of people. And they pick up on anybody that's discontented. Anybody that's uncomfortable. Well, if you don't like it that way, why don't you come out and join us? We've got a large group of people. And they grew and they grew and they grew until now they have mustered an army. And they've said, it's time for us to take over the church. Oh, I'm sorry. It's time for us to take over all that Moses has had. We are strong as he. He's getting old and he's weak. He can't do it anymore. So we will just take over. And they attacked it from the rear. Always, They attack it from the rear. You'd never guess they were there until pretty soon they let themselves known. And it came to a point where Moses said, right there. I've had it right to there. No more. You've seen mercy. You've seen grace. You've seen kindness. We've even gone around nations to stay out of their problem. But we will not put up with this kind of destruction in the church. We will not have it. So he called Joshua, one of his warriors, the one that's going to replace him later on. He says, I want you to go down in the valley and clean house on Amalek. Just wipe him out. You mean you just kill him? Yeah, that's what we do. We don't have any jails. Just wipe him out. They are not of the seed of God, and they are destroying the house of God. Wipe him out. Joshua says, "Boy, now we're getting down to real fighting. All my training in Egypt is of no value until I can use it. I'll go get them. So down in the valley he goes to face this enemy. There's always something joyful about taking somebody on anyway. At least I do. I enjoy it. Don't challenge me. I'm not packing today. Until I get to my car, but don't challenge me. (laughs) And the battle's going well. Joshua fits the battle at Jericho, Jericho, and he's doing a great job. Suddenly, he's losing and he's looking for help. Where's Moses? He's always been right on the top of that mountain there, holding up the rod. Whenever he holds the rod, oh, here we are back to the rod again. Whenever he holds that rod up, I win. When he puts the rod down, I lose. Keep it up there, Moses. I had it. It's up here. You do the work, I'll do the shouting. I'm tired. Are you doing okay, Joshua? Doing fine. Wish I had a place to sit. And he holds it down in the valley. His sister, Miriam, says to her husband, "Honey, look at Moses. He's up there. Why don't you and get Aaron, his brother? Why don't the two of you go up there and take over for him?" So her. Now it's awful to have a name being a man. Her. I wonder if his wife's name was his. <laughs> no, it was Miriam. Her says to Aaron, what do you think we can do? I don't know, but we've got to go up and help him. So one of them says to the other, let's get a rock. Let's get a big rock so he can sit down. And so they'll go get a rock of security. And they tuck it in behind Moses. And he says, oh, that, 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 that's much better. That, 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 that's fine. Thank you, guys, for all your support. I don't know what I had to do, and if you weren't there to support me, I, I, I was getting weak-kneed. Now you say, well, that's not so... Hey, the guy is 82 years old. He's been standing out there a long time. He wants a rock to sit on. Isn't that right, Brother Bob? Yeah. We want a rock to sit on from time to time. Rock and mouth, soul, wind, want to sit down. About that time starts putting his hands down again. And Aaron says, Brother, you can't put your hands down. Joshua is depending on you. And on the other side of her, says, Get the hands up, Moses. Will you guys want to carry it? We can't carry it. We can't take your staff. We can't take your anointing. It's yours. And don't you ever think that you can come to the house of God and get popular, and work on the inside, and replace the pastor. Don't you ever think that thought, that's the work of the devil. That is the work of an Amalek, and you'll be destroyed. You'll get behind your pastor. Well, what can we do? Let's hold his arms up. And so now, remember who he is? The man who wrote the Pentateuch. The man who's been on top of the mountain. The man who talked to God. The man who did all the miracles with the rod. He's tired. He's not sinful. He's not run away with somebody else's wife. He's not stolen anything. He's not lied. He hasn't got drunk and done some foolish thing in his flesh. He's not done any of that. He just got tired. What do we do with the anointed people, ministers, who get tired? You fire them, (laughs) or you hold up their hands. Now how do I hold up the hands of those that are in leadership? I cry out to God, my God. I can't do it, they can. You have placed them here, now you have anointed them. I hold up their hands. I dare to believe that what they're doing is right. I dare to believe that it will last. Lord, bless our pastors. Lord, bless our leaders. Help them, my God. In the name of Jesus, let victory, let health come to them and it will happen as you hold up the arms of those who bear the responsibility of the anointing. That was a good point, wasn't it? There he was. Lazarus, come forth. See, I'm going to walk on you. And I, yes, I am. I'm going to walk right on you. Fish, get in that net. You touch the hem of my garment, and you're well. Eyes be open. Mighty Jesus. Mighty, wonderful Jesus. But the Government says, who is the government that they can speak against me? What authority they have. My father gives authority and he takes it away. Don't they realize who they're talking to? I'm Jesus of Nazareth. The women come around him. Thank God for godly women. We love you. We pour our perfumes on you. We praise you. We sing about you. We stroke you. We'll wash your feet. We love you, Jesus. Thank God for the tenderness of women toward the things of God, and He's doing great. And the the, pre- the other preacher, the one on the, because if you had sold that oil, you could have put it in the treasury. Oh, come on, man. Smell the place up. Enjoy it. Get emotional and praise God. It is expedient in you that I go away. I'm going to talk to my father before I go away. If you want to listen in, it's all right. Father, mine hour has come. Now glorify your son with the glory that I had with you from the foundation of the world. All that you've given me, I've kept and given to these. I've saved them all, I haven't lost any of them, save one, the son of petition, that scripture might be fulfilled. Father, I'm coming to you, and these, my disciples, I would that they be with me where I am, that they may see me in all the glory that I have with you. Father, it's an exciting time, now I pray for them, I don't pray for the world, I pray for them that you would keep them from the evil that's in the world. I pray that you'd preserve them and keep them all the days. Watch over them, Father. This is my flock. Thank you, Father. 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 A day goes by. The victory song is over. And Jesus is alone in Gethsemane. Saying to his disciples, My arms are weary. Can you lift them up for me? Would you pray a little bit with me? Jesus, the Son of God, walking on water, calling the sick, the dead, all now is asking for humans' prayer. Yeah, his arms were weary. And he begins to cry out Would you pray with me one hour? I'll go over by that rock, the one that Moses sat on. I'll go over by the rock and I'll pray there and he begins to weep and cry and pray with all that's within him, so much that sweat and blood come out of his pores of his skin, and he goes through misery at that moment. The human striving to live on, the divine seeking for supremacy. God has mercy, and he calls for Moses, Elijah, Go down there and comfort him. Some of you angels go down and comfort my son. They come. That's not enough. He needs somebody to hold up his arms. And he comes out and looks for them. And he sees them sound asleep. And he says, could you have not just prayed in one hour? Could you have just prayed? Pray for Jesus. Yeah. Pray for the pastor. He's the one that has the... I don't have to pray for them. God will bless them. I know. Despite sometimes the work of the church, God's blessing goes on with the pastor. and Sometimes he's denuded of help, but he keeps right on going just the same. Stands naked before God saying, I gave it my very best, but he could have done so much more with some prayer behind him. The angels are gone. Disciples are asleep. And he comes out and he said, Even the devil showed up. He's tested me in every way and he found no fault in me. Nothing he could lay his hand on that wasn't there. And now I, before he can finish it, the government has closed in on him and he's going down the road. We'll see him on the cross. You'll see it in the movie, I think. Where are you, John? I'm beside Mother. Where are you, the disciples? Where are the masses? Where's the blind man? Where's the halt man? Where are those people that you healed and blessed? Why aren't they here, crying out against the government for my mar- for? Je- no, 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 no. Alone, on the cross. All the souls is ever won, have been won. All the bodies ever healed, have been healed. It's the end. Father, what? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he picks up the last candidate for heaven that he had the privilege of talking to. This day shalt thou be with me in paradise. Faithful to the very end to fulfill his purpose. Without the prayer of the saints, without the help of the church, without the, anything except, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. He made it all by himself. It would have been far easier if somebody had been there to support him, I think. But he made it. I have a hard time with Father, if it be possible. Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And alone he drinks the dregs of death and sickness and disease. What a miserable three days the disciples spend! What a glorious three days Jesus spent. And now he comes back with a whole body. And they say, is that really you? Did it really work? Jesus, put your fingers in the hole. Give me a piece of fish. Jesus, it can't be you. We we gave up on you. It's me. I am the same that I was. I now have my glorified form. Lord, what do we do? You want one like me? Keep serving me and go the same way. As I am, so you shall be. And the resurrected Lord gives them hope for themselves. Now he gives the final statement. What do you have in your hand? Nothing. I don't have a staff. Yes, you do. You are you. You are the staff. Get together and stay in one place, and they were all together at one place when suddenly the anointing comes down from heaven. That that hit Moses by a burning bush, that that pushed the waters back for the rivers, that that was always God to give now comes down and it falls upon 120 of them and they do all speak in tongues as the Spirit gives utterance and they begin to weep and roar and shout in their own language, in their own way, they magnify God and that revival went around the world till you are today the product of what happened by the resurrection of Jesus Christ and we rejoice in it. That was great, that was great. I've never preached it before here. I know, I know. The Lord had a special for Living Word Good. Chapel. Good. An it needs to be preached everywhere. You know, the Bible says that the, the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.